You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 184, August Burns Red, hosted by Dan Terry. It's because it's like the ultimate heavy riff. And Joseph Wren. Hype me up. Okay, that's actually doing its job. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think August burns red, but December bleeds blue, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Yeah, absolutely. I am me. And I'm here to talk to you guys tonight about a band that has a lot of records. And that would be the one, the only solid state darlings i don't think they're on solid state anymore august burns red ladies and gentlemen at first i wasn't looking forward to listening to nine records about three records in i didn't hear anything different so i snuck to the end of the discography and i didn't hear anything different i'm not gonna say that there's a hundred percent no changes over the course of 15 years nobody is that redundant slayer just kidding dude i love slayer But this is not my style. This is my, I want to listen to it and have fun with it and not worry about how technical it is or how unique it sounds. I listen to bands like this when I just want to listen to some heavy music. I used to feel that way about Fit for a King. I don't anymore. It's like listening to Sleeping Giant. You know what you're going to get 100% from start to finish. If that's what you want to listen to, you reach for Sleeping Giant. August Burns Red, this might be for you if you're looking for metalcore. Well, I will tell you that I feel like, because I felt largely the same way at first. I've listened to their discography about four times now, uh, just to prep up for this episode. Uh, whenever I had first put August Burns Red on the calendar, uh, I I had really only heard Thrill Seeker and Messengers, and uh, maybe a little bit of uh, a little bit of Constellations, but I didn't remember a whole lot of it. I remember loving Thrill Seeker when it came out, and I thought Messengers sounded basically like pretty similar, uh, a little bit different, a little bit more technical uh, than Thrill Seeker, uh, and obviously different vocalists on those records, but. Um, it is, it's an interesting journey with August Burns Red because initially I kind of agreed with you, Joe. I was like, man, it just all sounds the same. But I do have to say that as I listened to them several more times, I started picking out a little bit more of that nuance. And uh, it, it is absolutely the kind of music that you need to pay attention to. But if you're listening to all their albums in one shot, like I did, <laughs> you may find that hard to do. It's not hard. It's just so much of that melodic sounding metalcore the nice parts of between the buried and me come to mind you want them to be there but eventually they all kind of sound like the same melodic break between the buried and me is one of the best extreme progressive metal composers they're definitely one of my favorites this one just does the tricks i've heard maybe that just means that a lot of those bands were listening to august burns red I honestly don't know anymore who ripped off who when it comes to those melodic thrash breakdown tendencies. I also don't care. I realize now this kind of sounds like a final thought, but in the context of August Burns Red, it's fun when I'm listening to it. I just don't want to listen to only this. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't think that even the band themselves would expect you to listen to only them. I mean, maybe they do. Who knows? But uh I definitely think that there is nuance here and the band does a really good job of starting out as not that original, but as they get a couple of albums deep, they start to carve out their own sound. 
where it is unmistakable that you're listening to August Burns Red in a sea of basically imitators, bands that were trying to sound like this, but not really pulling it off and definitely not pulling it off with as good of production value and with the level of skill and technicality. Um, I definitely get the impression that this band actually practices, like actually practices and gets all their stuff to where they can nail it in their sleep. And uh, and that is that actually absolutely shines through on the records. Well, before Dan drives for vinyl pickups in faraway places, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Well, we do love our five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. If you leave us a review on whatever podcast app allows you to leave a review, we will read it on the show as long as we can see it. If you're afraid that we can't see it, be sure to send us the review on uh, either on Facebook, on Twitter. Just point it at us and we'll read it on the show. Uh, Hell or high water, so to speak. Uh, The other thing that is very, very, very helpful for a podcast like ours is sharing the episodes. You guys have been sharing the episodes relentlessly with your friends, your family, maybe mild acquaintances, with your boss. You've been sharing it with all kinds of people and I really appreciate that because It helps us get exposure that we otherwise would not be able to get on our own. Nobody likes it whenever a dude joins a Facebook group and is only there to promote his own podcast. So I appreciate (laughs) having you guys. Well, no, but I appreciate you guys kind of stepping in and and helping me do that and doing that for me in a lot of cases. So uh, it, it is much appreciated. You guys are the best. We got a comment on episode 182, Blind Guardian from Alex T.O.T., early guardian were so epic live they played so much heavier and faster no keyboards and the audience was the choir that explains the hundreds and hundreds of overdubbed vocals it absolutely does and i never did get to see blind guardian play live other than like youtube you know but uh, I did. I, I do think that in that context, seeing them in the early days, just playing straight ahead speed metal, I can imagine that that was pretty epic. Again, it's just all in my imagination, but I'm going to assume that it's going to look like there's like a thousand people in a building that all look like they're LARPing. <laughs> Over on YouTube, we got a comment on episode 183, Tool by Satanic Puppy Overlord. He says, maybe it's because I'm what most people would describe as pretentious. Me too, buddy. But I legitimately enjoy Lateralis the most. It's not just nostalgia either. I got into metal in the last couple of years. I like the somewhat meditative sound. I like the fact that it's mysterious and it makes you think just how many little secrets are hidden in it. And, you know, I, I agree with that, too. You know, it's not that I thought that Ladder Alice was a bad record. Um, and I stated several times, maybe just to save face, but I don't think any of the Tool records are flat out bad. Uh, the, that band is immensely talented and it, they are subtle. They are they 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 do hide things and they are mysterious. They are all of those things. Um, I think my biggest complaint really was just that, like, sometimes pretentious people like myself uh, will listen to something like that and use it as a weapon against other people that are not as, quote unquote, enlightened. I definitely agree. And while I don't think the most recent album lived up to the hype and there was very much hype, 
the overall tool listening experience is good. There's a reason why you heard the songs that you heard so many times when listening to the radio back in the day. And even now, if they come on, you're not going to change the station. Usually not, because, you know, it's eight minutes of whatever you want eight minutes to be, whether that be driving or working on a project at work. I did both while listening to Tool during that during that episode cycle. Nice, dude. Yeah, so over on Facebook, also in regards to the Tool episode, Alex Dye says, how is your Tool discussion shorter than an actual Tool album? It needs to be 80 <laughs> minutes minimum, to which somebody posted as discography discussion, so I'm going to say Jeff. We took out 90 minutes of Dan's incoherent ranting slash crying. And I have to admit, I was a little upset that that was not included in the episode. I, I thought I, I thought I really reached, you know, some, some real places with that. But evidently the powers that be, a.k.a. Joe, decided that, you know what, we're going to we're going to slim this down. We're not going to do to you what Tool did to us. Also on Facebook and the discography discussion official group, Jeremy Prince said, I don't get it. Or no, he said, you don't get it. Referring to me. Uh, and, you know, he's right. I just don't get it. The truth is, is everything I said about Tool, it's really all just because I didn't get it. <laughs> so, Dan, tell me about August Burns Red. August Burns Red is an American metalcore band from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They have been around forever, at least like 17 years. They started in 2003 and have been grinding their way through the metalcore world ever since then. I mean, with nine albums out, like I can't think of a lot of I can't think of a lot of metalcore bands like from that era that are still around. And if they are still around, that they sound even remotely like what they used to sound like. So in a lot of ways, August Burns Red is kind of bucking the trend in that they are absolutely dedicated to their craft and they don't rely on a lot of the cheap tricks and and commercialization that a lot of bands that started off like they did ended up like they, they don't they don't like get two albums in and then immediately start hitting us with like under oath choruses or uh or anything really like that would not have been shocking in 2009 if they made that decision though no and i have to admit i was pretty shocked because like i said before we decided to do this episode i'd only listened to like a few of their albums and I just assumed that I was hearing the old heavy stuff, but I knew how popular August Burns Red is. And so I was like, well, at some point they had to have gone like full on butt rock, right? But they have kept it consistently metal throughout. And uh, it is really funny because they have a uh, they have a really weird name in the sense of like August Burns Red. Like, what does that even mean? Well, apparently uh, one of the band members uh, girlfriend at the time, the the band member had a uh, had a dog named August. I don't know. The woman's name was August, and the band member's dog was named Red. And that she b burned him alive in his doghouse. So August burns Red. Now I'm saying that, and if any of the members of the band are listening to it, they're like, "Oh, dude, come on, you know that's not true." Yeah, it's not true. It, it is absolutely a story that they made up to explain what their band name was uh, or why it was called that. Um, there was a there was a radio interview several years later that just said it was a story that they made up and that the band's name doesn't actually have a real meaning necessarily other than August Burns Red. Absolutely sounds like a killer metalcore band name. Absolutely. I just wanted to share that because it's just one of those urban legends with that band that like, oh yeah, this this crazy woman you know that I dated uh, set a dog on fire. And um, the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of funny, but it's also like kind of not funny. <laughs> Way to it's, be metalcore, it, guys. 
Well, it's much better that it's not true. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. <laughs> so you can you can sleep better at night knowing that a fictional dog named Red was not burned alive by a fictional woman named August. So now that we have that out of the way, let's jump in. 2005 Thrill Seeker. Thrill Seeker. Now this is a Thrill Seeker really came out of nowhere for me. So it was a, it was a solid state records release, obviously. And, um, you know, in 2005, it absolutely was not the first metalcore album I'd ever heard. And it was definitely not like the most original. But what I like about this record is how it starts off with your little suburbia is in ruins, which again is an incredible, incredible name for a song. Great start off. And I could not get past the ridiculous grind that starts that song. The drums are literally on fire. I guess figuratively they're on fire. They might have literally been on fire. But uh, it is just so fast, so aggressive, so in your face. The band plays like if you if you took a band like Azalea Dying and put them next to a band like August Burns Red, especially on this album, it sounds similar to something you would hear from Azalea Dying, but played at like four times the speed with 12, like with 12 times the riff changes. They came at it so aggressively so early on. And um, and Thrill Seeker, like if you were in the know, you would know they had an EP out uh, before that called Looks Fragile After All. Uh, and that one is, is very much in the same vein as Thrill Seeker. It is super, super technical, super, super fast. I love the vocals on this record a lot. And this actually wasn't the band's current vocalist. Um, they had a lead singer on Thrill Seeker, and I'm trying to remember what his name was because he was only in the band basically to review. Yeah, it's Josh McManus, and he pretty much only appears on this August Burns Red record, uh, which is kind of sad because I really, really, really like this dude's vocals. Um, they were very percussive, very, very, very in your face. And like the, the way he was able to weave in and out of these technical guitar parts, like I, I would be pissed off if I was the singer of a band, uh, if I was if I was the singer of a band like this, because it would be really, really hard to find a way to vocalize over it without it sounding bad. But they were able to really pull this, really pull this off. And he doesn't have the classic thrash barking stereotype that you would get out of like a typo negative or a, uh, I'll just say Cannibal Corpse. It would be really easy to just hold the mic and make the low noise with your throat the whole time. I know it's a staple of metalcore to have range in your vocals, be able to scream high, scream low, but not every vocalist on the first record does that. Many vocalists are very guilty of finding the part of their sound that sounds good and using that for the entire record. This one has your standard metalcore range and it works really well yeah and like he's got he's got a good range but not um he stays really really consistent and i i just like it because his voice has just this very impassioned quality to it and um it's almost like it, it actually reminds me a little bit of like early zeo like the sean jonas type zeo it's not really quite like that it's much more modernized than that it's deeper but like I don't know, the way he just seems to more like cry out more so than growl. Um, I really, really, really enjoy that. And uh, a couple of my favorite songs off of Thrill Seeker. Obviously, Your Little Suburbia is in Ruins. Uh, I like Speech Impediments, and I love the Reflective Property. And the Reflective Property is a really interesting song because this album as a whole is not what I would describe as melodic, 
but it's not all grind either like it's not like a con one continuous sound there's a lot of like quick melodic guitar leads and stuff thrown in like the lead the lead work is incredible for a metalcore band i love that and i love that they're not like this isn't like a trivium where they're like basically just trying to be metallica you know like it's still very much firm it's very very much firmly rooted in metalcore but what i liked about the song the reflective property is there is a melodic there's a melodic bit in that song and this this is kind of one of the first signs of what would become kind of the August Burns Red sound or, you know, the sound that they were known for um, because it mixes it mixes in melody without clean vocals. He's still screaming over this, but it's like almost a euphoric feeling uh, whenever they go into those melodic bits. And they're going to do it again on Messengers, which I'll get into. But um, yeah, Thrill Seeker, obviously, there are not a lot of bands that put out a debut album that sounds this good. Um, the production is is super clean. It doesn't really sound dated. I feel like this is a record that could come out tomorrow and, and be just as well received. Um, and obviously, this this was their big uh, their big breakthrough, at least their big breakthrough for metalcore. Um, I'm not really sure what the scene would have looked like in 2005, but metalcore was booming that year. And they had an original enough sound to where you wouldn't mix them up with anybody else. And I do think that what they were playing was a step above what a lot of their contemporaries were. They'd even fit in with like a haste the day because they had enough of the thrash metal gallop and they had enough breakdowns. They could be on the same bill and everybody there would be into the band. August Burns Red just does it a little differently. It might not be as different on this record, but like you said, it has more of those melodic parts that help them stand out amidst all the metalcore tropes. Yeah, totally. And they do use some metalcore tropes on this record, but really only on this record. And that can be that can just be chalked up to it was 2005. So like speech impediment has a very azalee dying introduction to it um you know like there's i i hear a little bit of that like a little bit not a whole lot like just just a little bit and it's weird too because they are also a, a unique metalcore band in the sense that they are not doing the rip off of in flames rip off of star tranquility at the gates i mean there, there's a little tiny bit of that but this is not nearly as indulgent as something like a war of ages or an unearth right the gothenburg influences are there but it's not all that right because the gothenburg sound is still separate from the metalcore sound so this is more of any similarities to gothenburg are strictly because it was the metalcore sound it wasn't because they're like hey i heard absolutely I heard I heard Slaughter of the Soul last week, and now I just want to play that, you know? <laughs> um, Said every lead vocalist in 2005. Yeah, I mean, looking at you, Unearth. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I do think Unearth, it got way better. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, like, Thrill Seeker, great record. It's, it's, the, it's probably the August Burns Red record that I know the most and that I remember the most listening to. I mean, I've still got the CD uh, over on my shelf and I'll still pop it in every now and again. Number one, because it really, really makes my sound system pop and uh, not like pop and break, but just it sounds great. And uh, and very, very, very thick and heavy and, and awesome. Uh, also notable, I, I like the Eve of the End uh, instrumental song before it leads into the, uh, in, you know, into the eight minute opus of the seventh trumpet. Like they're being very epic for a band like this. And, and, and I appreciate it. I really do. And I'm going to appreciate more as we go on. 
2007, Messengers. Okay, so Messengers, we have a new vocalist whose name is Jake Lurs. I I assume it's Lurs. Lars? No, it's not Lars. It's just Lurs. It's got an H in there. The H throws me off. Jake, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, But yeah, so he came in as the band's vocalist, and he has been the band's vocalist ever since. So, you know, for a vocalist, that's pretty good, man. You're on eight out out of nine albums, not to mention several Christmas albums, which we're not going to talk about tonight. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on, dude. You don't want to talk about Sledden Hill? Not not, not tonight. But, you know, I, I did actually find them pretty enjoyable, and I hate Christmas music. So, that you know, we got that going for it. Uh, Messengers is a, a little bit more of a fully realized August Burns Red. And I like Jake's vocals quite a bit. Uh, there's a lot of people in the fandom of August Burns Red that are just like, yeah, the vocalist on Thrill Seeker, best vocalist ever. Um, I would say that, like, yeah, that guy is very, very, very good. But I like I like Jake because he can do everything that their previous vocalist could do, and then some. So if you want to talk about range, um, Jake's got the range. So which you you had a scream that more or less sounded basically the same on the first record. Uh, and this one, he's hitting you with highs, lows, gutturals, and then, you know, that shouty thing that all metalcore vocalists do. Even I did it. Joe hates it, but they all do it. Don't forget, all the consonants have to start with R when you're doing metalcore vocals. Yeah, dude. Every time, you know. <laughs> but Jake's good. The production on this record is somehow better than Thrill Seeker, which is weird. And and I'm kind of back and forth on that because, like, this one is a little bit cleaner. And Thrill Seeker was clean, too, but it was dirty enough. So you can get into that debate all, all day long. Does does heavy music like this sound better when it's not recorded quite as well, or does it sound better whenever it's super clean? I think Adam D from Killswitch Engage probably has the answer, but uh, he doesn't return my phone calls, so I don't I don't know. I mean, you go on the Prices Right once, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're big time in people. I don't think this one sounds better as much as it's 2007. It's the second record. Somebody made the decision to spend more money on the production. I like the underground metalcore sound of the drums on the first record. They kind of sound flat. They have the same first album syndrome that most drums have. They sound good enough to represent what the band would do live. This one has more of the studio sound, and it was shockingly different the first time I heard it after immediately listening to Thrill Seeker. I remember when Awake first came out from Zayo, and your number one complaint to this day, the cymbals are too loud, they're too high-pitched, they're not mixed well. If all I heard was the drums, it probably sounds okay, but in the context of the mix, it's too high-pitched and tinny. And going from Thrill Seeker to Messengers, I had the same experience. You get used to it eventually. It's not the same record. It's not the same sound. It's all good. I really like this record. It's the same thing, just taken further. And it doesn't have all the metalcore tropes, but the tropes are there. Spoilers, that's going to be a running theme tonight. Well, yeah. I mean, so obviously, you know, there's going to be metalcore tropes in that that's the style that they play. I'm not I'm not mad at a punk rock band for being punk because they're a punk rock band. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. But I do think that like with Messengers what you get is they instead of capitalizing on the super like heavy almost grind of Thrill Seeker uh, on Messengers, they're focusing a lot more on actual songwriting. Me- uh, Thrill Seeker had had the issue of okay, we play this riff, 
you know, for 25 seconds, and now we're going to switch over to this one, and then we're going to switch over to that one. We're going to yada, 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 yada. Um, and there's a little bit of that on messengers as well as they're kind of transitioning out of that, though, because, you know, once you get to track five, composure, composure is an actual song. <laughs> like is is like like a well thought out and crafted experience and you get a lot of that on messengers you get you get a little bit more of a honed in songwriting craft because i think whenever you're young it's just like yeah it's super metal let's string a bunch of riffs together throw some breakdowns on it i'm gonna scream through all of it and uh and that that's gonna be our record and that's fine i mean I, i'm into that but there is a lot of growth on this record, and the technical—they double down on the technicality. The technical, the technical riffing and stuff is is on a much higher level on Messengers than it was on Thrill Seeker. Um, Thrill Seeker was a little bit faster paced, so I think sometimes it's confusing because you're like, well, that one's more technical because they're playing it faster. But if you listen to what they're actually playing, uh, you'll find that the stuff on Messengers is actually much more complex. And um, and honestly, Messengers was a huge record for this band. And it kind of set the gold standard, you know, for what Metalcore was going to be. I remember there was another band that came out uh, around the same time. I think they were called uh, This or the Apocalypse. And their debut album pretty much sounds like a love letter to Messengers. You know, <laughs> like it's 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 not the same record but it's it's very similar and coincidentally because i like messengers i like that record as well um but i like their more melodic refrains on this record and you know like i was talking about that song the reflective property there's a whole lot more of that on messengers as well as uh the song composure like that's my favorite song on the record and i know it was like the single or whatever and there's a video for it and all that uh, but like it is it is like that euphoric feeling I I said that it, uh, the reflective property had except it's like times 10 like they, they did it again and did it way better and that's kind of the whole thing about that's the whole thing about messengers versus thrill seekers they did the same thing kind of again but they, but they did it better they put more thought into it um, they put more actual composition into it and uh, so what you get is a slam dunk of a, of a sophomore record like I I can't really say anything bad about it I mean it's 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 very well produced and um I, I don't have any complaints and i think as we go further in the discography i'm gonna start having complaints about not having complaints because this is discography discussion you know what you signed up for am i hearing extreme metal influences on this record i thought i heard extreme metal influences on thrill seeker you did amidst all the metalcore tropes and the breakdowns they throw in these guitar, drums, syncopated sections that just sound like blast off your favorite extreme metal album. Am I fooling myself or is that actually what I'm hearing? Probably more so on Thrill Seeker than Messengers. Thrill Seeker had a lot of extreme metal influence, especially in the drumming. Um, there's, there's definitely a lot more blast beat going on on Thrill Seeker. Whereas Messengers, like I said, they, they're kind of slowing it down a little bit. And by slowing it down, I mean, it's like slowed down like 8%, you know, of, of what it was before. Absolutely. So you're not, you're not losing that intensity at all. Um, but yeah, like these two albums are solid gold. You, there's really nothing that you can say that's wrong with them. Um, they, they are a great introduction, you know, from the band, a solid body of work just on their own. But the issue is, is that we've got like seven more of these, man. <laughs> 2009 constellations constellations so how do you follow up a record like messengers 
Do it again. <laughs> um, I mean, basically, I mean, I, like, I'm trying, I'm trying not to be that guy, and I know I've done 180 something episodes of being that guy, but I definitely. This is, this is a part where, obviously, you know, you've got a career in music at this point, and you're trying to make keep that momentum, right? You're, you're, trying to, you're, you're trying to keep the fans that were originally interested still interested. So this is not a time in your career where you want to take a left turn and do something radically different than what you've done before. And, uh, well, August Burns Red doesn't do that. They, they produce a record that sounds undeniably August Burns Red. And I was a little worried whenever I listened to this one because I was afraid that I was just going to get all of these albums and that they were going to all sound just like this. I think that Constellations is a great record. I think it is on absolutely on par with Messengers. Um, it's good, but I am on I am on basically three albums of this at this point, and I don't mind it. It's a good sound. I'm not going to turn it off when it comes on. Um, and I think that there is a little bit more of a focus on traditional songwriting on this record, but they still keep all of the uh, August Burns Red tropes in there. And I think the important thing too is that like this is not capitalizing on the success of Thrill Seeker anymore. This is capitalizing on the success of Messengers, which was a slightly different beast than Thrill Seeker. But I don't think that Constellations is a slightly different beast than Messengers, if that makes sense. I'm not going to criticize the band for capitalizing on the sound that clearly drove the fan base to them. Metalcore in 2009. It either sounded like Kill Switch Engage or it sounded like Under Oath. This one has more haste the day, thrash, breakdown style metalcore that we all liked. It was that flavor of metalcore that everyone listened to. It's also my least favorite because if you listen to all of it at once, you start to lose who you're listening to. So in the context of this show and listening to all these albums at one time, it can diminish the value of the record. That doesn't mean that if you're a fan of August Burns Red, this record is not as good as the previous. It just starts to stand out less because clearly they had a formula and even the things that they did differently than other bands in the genre, those start to diminish as well because eventually you can't not hear the breakdown coming. Yeah, it gets to a point where you're just like, okay, I've got three records by the band and I'm having a little bit of trouble differentiating the songs themselves, like identifying which record they're on. I mean, I guess you could kind of tell by the production value, but the average listener that's listening to a Spotify playlist is not going to like necessarily hear that and so again it's not bad it's it, it worst it's just as good as what came before um but that's where the rub is where it's like okay you guys really need to start switching it up and they do a little bit uh i noticed that there are kind of some songs that are a little bit more like melodic like like if you look at like the song mariana's trench which starts with like a minute long melodic piece um until it goes into like a more traditional august burns red type song the heaviest um, deepest most 
most brutal part. Yes. <laughs> Inside the ocean. The Marriott <laughs> Trench. But like, you know, uh, they they are trying a little bit. Like, I, I do notice a little bit more like the melodic breaks in the songs. And I would imagine that if you're playing a full August Burns Red set list, that you kind of need that to literally take a break. Uh, because like this stuff, it requires a lot of energy. And these guys are in good shape. I, I've seen them live. They've, they've got the endurance to, uh, to, to last through it. Uh, I would definitely not be able to. Um, and so, yeah, this is a good record. It's not their best. But I think even they would agree that it was time to kind of maybe try to switch it up a little bit. 2011, Levelar. Leveler, yeah. Let's level the entire city. The entire city leveled to the ground with breakdowns and metalcore, which breakdowns are also part of metalcore. I realized my own mistake there. (laughs) So I have to admit, whenever I first listened to Leveler, I felt the same way that I felt about Constellations. I was like, oh man, they're doing it again. They're doing it again. They're, they're just, they're doing, this band just does the same thing again and again and again and again. Here we fucking and, go again. Yes. But then you get about two minutes into internal canon and you really start listening to it where all of a sudden we're in this like weird, ja- I don't know, like visually, it, or at least rather in my brain, so imaginary. Um, we're in this like really weird southwestern cowboy territory, um, not unlike something that you would hear out of Between the Buried and Me, and uh, and that really, really, really threw me off um, because n- number one, the solo at the end of Internal Canon is worth the price of admission. It's awesome, and so what they are doing here is they're doing what they're doing the only smart thing to do. They are trying to branch out musically at this point. The songs follow a better song structure. A lot of the songs have um, their own distinct kind of introductions. Uh, Cutting the Ties is a good example. I love how it starts off in this like classic 80s like hair hair guitar leads on top like like opening up that song. And so what you're starting to get is this band is doing a lot of the same things they were doing before. Except Except they are adding in musical diversions into each of the songs and it's welcome i don't think that it's like tropey um maybe it's tropey but i don't know like i i really enjoyed hearing stuff like that on these records and i've also noticed that on leveler there's a more melodic approach to some of the songwriting and when i mean melodic i mean just like melodic riffs you know, we like we'll start off super, super brutal and then we'll get a little bit melodic, but like without slowing down. It's a it's an August Burns Red staple at this point. And it sounds great. But one thing that I'm getting out of out of this band that I don't really hear in other metalcore bands, um, you know, we, we've talked about the Acacia Strain recently and how the negative of a band that was. But like August Burns Red's almost like the polar opposite of that. When, by the time you get to Leveler, their heavy brand of metalcore actually sounds kind of happy and sounds like really positive and upbeat in a way that a lot of metalcore uh, doesn't. You know, a lot of metalcore is just soaked in negativity and that dark, dank feeling. And it's not that they can't do that. They just kind of choose not to. Like, everything's fast-paced. Everything's bright and colorful and fun. And you don't really get that with a lot of bands, especially not at that time. And so in that sense, I kind of enjoy the more lighthearted approach uh, to what they're doing. But I like too that it can be it can be bright, colorful, melodic, 
but they're again they're not singing they're not like slowing the song down for like a croon chorus or anything like that they're keeping all the melody strictly in the guitar which is what every good metal band should do and they are they are counteracting it with just absolutely devastating breakdowns so like leveler was really a breath of fresh air for me after constellations because um it wasn't just the band doing the same thing again i mean if you're here to hear august burns red you hear august burns red they still have all the chops and all of the intensity that they've always had but now they're 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 kind of peppering it they're seasoning it with with slightly different things this record um, made me look forward to the metalcore breakdown they do yeah. it less because they're taking the time to incorporate those different elements you have a lot more melody much more like a between the buried and me would have in 2011 it makes you look forward to the breakdown instead of making the breakdown the song i don't think that's unique to august burns red but as consistent as these records are it was a breath of fresh air because it changed my expectations and that is always welcome when you're listening to a metal band like this i totally agree and so this was a huge breath of fresh air for me uh favorite songs i don't do this on every record but like this one just really stood to me obviously internal canon uh pangea um and salt and light are my favorite songs on this record and salt and light is a really good example of what i'm talking about um where the, it's it's the august it starts off the august burn thread that you know and love and then it kind of drops out into this more melodic uh this more melodic territory it goes on like that for about a minute minute and a half it definitely doesn't overstay its welcome and then it builds up to the inevitable august burns red flurry of guitars drums and screams and then eventually you know by the end of it you know you're uh you're feeling good you're feeling like you went on a little bit of a journey and that's within one song and so like i like i like that aspect of august burns red and i wish that they did that more which i mean i mean look they do do that more you want to talk about some christmas songs now no i don't want to talk about christmas songs come on dude it's 2012 sledden hill i know i kept saying nine albums because i was including this one but now that we're here i kind of don't want to talk about it because come on it's, dude i'm gonna be real here for a minute okay absolutely have i ever wanted to hear august burns red play frosty the snowman yes yes I'm, I'm good with it um i honestly i never expected them to put out a christmas album but based on what i was saying about leveler just a couple of minutes ago um it definitely fits you know i'm talking about them having a more jovial um good-natured approach to heavy music and uh sled and hill is the ultimate example of that and now we're gonna move on 2013 rescue and restore oh they're rescuing us from christmas music dude we're gonna talk about that record in december patreon exclusive make sure you tune in in december for us to talk about sledden hill okay i'll let you have it this one time but here in august you know burns red and we have to rescue and restore the music back to its truly metalcore driven state totally um jake hit some amazing lows on on provision and this record for the most part is comparable to leveler but i think they took some of the more eclectic elements and they kind of they kind of cr- doubled down on those um so what you get is an experience that's very similar to leveler 
but in a certain way with almost more variation. Because as much as we talked about on the first couple of records, them being, you know, a little bit too samey sounding, I think they realized that too. And at this point are trying to do everything that they can to, number one, keep the metalcore sound, because let's be real, a good portion of their fans at this point are still kind of like, I listen to August Burns Red so that I can bang my head and it can be heavy and it can be awesome and fun, you know? And so what they're doing is they're doing what any smart band does. They deliver enough of the August Burns Red sound for you to, uh, to, to still, you know, consider it a heavy record and it'd be a good addition to their catalog. But then you get songs like Creative Captivity that are obviously more... Um, I don't know if experimental is the word for it, but there's more there's more flavoring, there's more seasoning in there. And um, one thing that they're getting really, really, really good at in their songcraft at this point in their career is building up into a nice, heavy conclusion. You know, like, uh, I don't want to use the word breakdown, but, you know, uh, we have to. Um, <laughs> but, like, Creative Captivity is a, is, a, is a song that, you know, would be the closest thing that this band has to a ballad. And, you know, before we know it, by the end of the song, we're in a fiesta. Yeah, I said it. It's basically like a fiesta. Or, uh, okay, maybe fiesta is not the right word for it. It's more like you were leading a charge of horseback riders to take back the Alamo. And I'm totally on board for it um, because it's it's cool. Dude, I, there, give me that no spaghetti western. Give me that space cowboy even. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I mean it's it's cool, and uh, and so I that's at this point in the band's career, most bands I would say, oh man, I'm only here for Godzilla. I'm only here for the breakdowns, the grind, the shred, all of that. Um, but at this point in the career, I'm looking for these melodic breaks, and these songs are longer. These are like four minutes, five minute songs that have a lot are made up of a lot of different parts. And um, and I'm really, really, really into that. And I also have to say that, like, I am very refreshed that, again, this band did not go like radio rock when logically that might have been like the smarter thing for them to do. But instead, they are literally trying to constantly improve the August Burns Red sound. And they're doing really, really well because... You know, like I said, I love Thrill Seeker. I love Messengers. Um, I like that era of the band because that was my first introduction. But as as a music listener in 2020, um, just playing straight metalcore all the time isn't going to impress me. And so I actually found this era of the band to be more interesting overall, uh, just because there was a lot more uh, there was a lot more variation in what they were doing. But it was also pleasing that pressure, that pleasure center in my brain that just wants to hear a breakdown. I get all of it. And so, you know, this, again, was was another killer record by August Burns Red. Somehow they turned the metalcore tropes into actual composition tools. The band is clearly influenced by all aspects of metal. They're leaning more on the melodic aspect, and that is more unique in metalcore than laying on the breakdowns for nine albums. I like that this has something different compared to other bands that maybe did five or six albums, but they were all breakdowns. They were all the same. And if you like breakdowns, that's fine. I'm not saying breakdowns are evil. I'm just saying that there comes a point in the genre when you can't tell one band from the other. August Burns Red answered that criticism by making the breakdown something you want to hear 
and something that you're looking forward to in addition to expanding their own sound. And it doesn't have that up their own ass quality that other progressive bands have. It's not like they just free solo for the next 20 minutes. So there's a good balance of all these melodic elements in there with the extreme metal and the metalcore. I dig it. I really do. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they did really well, and it's fun being able to just listen to a band. This is exactly what I was talking about on the Tool episode. Like, this is this is a perfect example of this, where, you know, you can listen to August Burns Red and be like, this is a good band, and you can be super excited about it, but it doesn't have all the baggage that comes with bands that experiment a little bit, where people start calling them progressive or start throwing out words like, you know, the polyrhythmic uh, arpeggio apex of of this song is you know like it's just it's not like that and it's like, the fibonacci sequence and the fibonacci sequence right like august burns red is a band that delivers the goods while still being able to push their own artistic uh boundaries i guess is, is what i'm trying to say oh i said boundaries that's a terrible that's that boundaries is, is like such a music critic word I, I don't like using it at all I'm not gonna. You'll notice that I've never said, "Well, August Burns Red has really matured on this release." I just, I don't believe in stuff like that. Come on now, dude. You have no boundaries. Admit it. No, I mean, I, I, I just, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. I think, I think they, I think even at this point in their career, they are a very solid band, and I can already tell at this point in their career that they're not gonna majorly screw up. That they're always gonna deliver enough of what fans expect. To, to be passable. This is not like a Norma Jean situation where like they make sure to throw one song on every album that sounds like the old stuff. And then the rest of it is just, you know, whatever Corey wants to do. You know, um, I feel like there is a very, very delicate balance that they have struck um, where I do think that the metalcore parts that they play are still somewhat formulaic, but I think that's what comes with the territory. But it's whenever they experiment and they kind of push away from that that I think that starts getting really interesting. 2015. Found in faraway places. This is a fun one. And I mean that sincerely. Like, um, this one is... I hate keeping keeping on to have like it sounds like I'm slamming the band, but like this this album very much continues on in the same vein as uh, Rescue and Restore, where you know again they start off with a banger. Way the wake is a super fast in your face, you know August Burns Red song, but once you get into Martyr, you're greeted with you know a begin an intro that sounds very similar to what we've heard on previous records, and then they go off into a melodic passage break. And it's fun and it's interesting and it's not a rehash of what they've done before. The only thing that I could say would be a rehash is that they decided that, you know, every other song needs to have a melodic break like this. Um, but again, I think it's done earnestly. And the biggest difference with this record versus maybe a lot of the previous is there seems to be a lot more reliance on like the traditional guitar solo is starting to make its way in there. And so we're hearing a lot more impressive lead work that's not just like quick metalcore sweeps. It's actually like, I don't know, like I, I like hearing hearing the singular guitar solo and they were able to incorporate it in such a way that made sense for their sound. And um, so they, they tried really hard here and I don't necessarily know if this record is better than Rescue and Restore, but it's very much in the same vein. Most of the metalcore fans I know despise the traditional guitar solo. I 100% disagree, and I always have. There is no reason why you can't just give the lead guitarist two minutes to shred 
But that's the thrash metal fan in me. I don't think anybody listening to Breakdowns wants to hear the traditional solo. So going back to that toolbox analogy from earlier, they're just using these influences and putting them together and making the breakdown one of the things you look for. So the traditional metal solo was missing in this music for the most part. And now in 2015, you're getting those traditional elements along with the metal core compositions and the extreme metal tendencies. This might be a salad that you don't want, but it's a good salad. I think the issue with August Burns Red at this point is there's too much salad. And I think that's, you know, because I've been on a diet now for like, I don't know, like two months or something at this point. And I can tell you that there is such a thing as too much salad. And your salad can have all kinds of interesting things in it. So, like, if Thrill Seeker was a salad, you had just, like, the lettuce and some croutons. No dressing, right? And then Messengers throws in some, right? Well, and then Messengers decides to throw in, you know, uh, still the lettuce, still the, uh, still the, um, still the croutons. And then, but, you know, maybe they throw on, uh, they throw some spinach leaves in there because spinach is a lot like lettuce, has a lot of the same textures, but it's better for you, right? Um, it's not just empty calories. So that's more of like, that's more of like, uh, like, like a healthier alternative, like, I know this might seem the same to you at first, but when you really look at it, it's actually better for you, you know? Um, And then for whatever reason, Constellations, that's just like the same salad that you got with Messengers again. And by the time you get to like, by the time you get to Leveler, Leveler, it's gonna throw in a whole bunch of stuff. It's gonna throw in artichoke hearts. It's gonna throw in some, it's gonna throw in some olives. It's gonna throw some red onions in there. And it's gonna flavor the, it's gonna flavor the salad in such a way that you know you're gonna find a whole lot of different textures and tastes and stuff in there but you know you're still eating this massive salad and then before you know it they start piling more stuff on so you know by the time you by the time you get to found in faraway places and rescue and restore now all of a sudden you know you've got two different types of salad dressings you've got blue cheese you've got italian salad you've got italian dressing on there You've got all the croutons, all the spinach leaves, all of the reg- all of the lettuce leaves, all the croutons. You've got it all mixed in- into this salad. And then, you know, by the time you get all the way up to uh, Phantom Anthem, now we're like putting egg whites in there. We're putting we're putting egg yolks, egg whites, you name it. We're throwing bacon bits all over this salad. And before you know it, you've got a very flavorful meal. But the question is, is how many more things are you going to be able to throw onto this salad before I'm too full to take another bite? I think when we get to Guardians, that'll be the strawberries on top. And then the question becomes, is it really better for you than what you had five records ago? Well, we're going to get to that. Are we moving on to Phantom Anthem? Yeah, let's jump into Phantom Anthem. 2017. So this is a little different. So we start off with uh, what seems to be a banger for about a minute and a half, King of Sorrow. Um, and then it gets melodic and then it gets heavy again. And uh, there's, a, there's a nice melodic traditional solo, which then leads into a breakdown. And we're ending the song off at the four minute mark. Are you starting to notice a pattern here? <laughs> uh, it sounds like August Burns Red made another record. It absolutely does. And I'm totally fine with it. Um, it's fine. Hero, hero of the half truth. Again, you get two and a half, three minutes into the song. You know, on three on Thrill Seeker, they would have just ended it at like the two minute and I don't know, like the two minute and 10, 10 seconds mark. But you know, we're a lot further into the into the career now, so 
now we're basically going to break into what's going to become essentially a different song um but i do i do enjoy this because i am i'm joking i am saying that like oh yeah listen to that formula listen to that formula but i think that the whole point on this record was to not have a formula and so yeah you could predict that august burns red is gonna have like a melodic break in every song now and they're eventually gonna build up to that breakdown but at this point we've got so much more of a melodic focus that we are starting to lose uh we're starting to lose that kind of extreme metal edge and they're starting to kind of go a little bit off the script and just kind of start doing whatever and i say whatever i mean it's it's great songwriting i love the melodic interludes but at this point, they're not really melodic interludes. It's more like the breakdowns and the heaviness is the interlude. <laughs> you know, the guitar solo is the interlude. But they've successfully turned the formula on its head here. It's still the same formula, but it's being read backwards. That's definitely not what I want when I'm listening to this type of metal band. But it is something I'm looking for if I'm listening to like an Opeth or some other type of progressive metal that I want to be melodic at its core for the next 60 to 70 minutes. I'd be surprised to find out that this record is the favorite for any diehard August Burns Red fan. And I've been proven wrong many times in the past when we find that record that we can't believe anybody considers it their favorite. I'm sure this record has its fans, but I question whether or not previous fans are as interested in this record as they are in Rescue and Restore or Found in Faraway Places. Because even if they are diehard for Messengers and Constellations, they can still listen to those records and get primarily heavy riff-driven songs. This one is more of the, we're going to trail off and do the melodic thing. And that might be their breath of fresh air. It's just not what I'm expecting. And it's August Burns Red's fault that I'm expecting something else. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, like it's not my favorite, but I really like Phantom Anthem. And I like it too because, you know, when I'm listening to these bands' discographies, sometimes I do them in like rapid fire succession. And that can be hard because, like, when you listen to this much of one band this quickly, it, it kind of all starts to run together for you, which is why I, which is why I listen to these records so many times. And I even kind of went out on a limb on a few of these, and like, I listened to the instrumental version of uh, "Found in Faraway Places," and I listened to the instrumental version of "Phantom Anthem," and I got a little bit more of an appreciation for what's going on uh, musically. And so, like, again, I think there's still enough of the classic August Burns Red here to not dissuade people. I mean, if you go listen to Generations, like that song is. Um, that's like textbook August Burns Red. Um, but then you have songs like Invisible Enemy that, you know, I think I think what they're doing right on these later era records is each song tries really, really hard to be distinct from the songs before it. You know, like I can tell you how I can tell you all day long uh, how great of a record Messengers is, and I can tell you how great of a record Thrill Seeker is. But when a random song from one of those albums comes on, I have trouble identifying what the name of the song even is because it all sounds so similar to one another. And they've done what a lot of bands in their position can't do. And they're getting to the point where each song is diversified enough to where it, it's an album that makes sense and takes you to a lot of different places 
and feels more like a complete package versus just having one sound throughout. And I'm I, I, I'm good with this record. I, I like this record. I like the instrumental. Actually, actually prefer the version without vocals to the version with. Um, not because I hate the vocals, but just because it kind of allows me to kind of hone in a little bit better on what's going on musically and to get a little bit of a better appreciation for what the goal was. And um, like I said, if you're only here for Godzilla, you're still going to get Godzilla, but you're also going to get a lot of other cool stuff that you might like and maybe some stuff that you don't like. But uh, they're definitely trending in a good direction here. 2020 Guardians. Ah, the new record. We, we managed to hold off long enough on doing the episode to where a new record could be released. <laughs> so that, uh, I mean, how many times on this show have we gotten all the way through like 10 or 11 albums and then like a week later they release another one? And I was like, well, Patreon. Guess, guess that one's going, <laughs> yeah, I guess that one's going on the Patreon. Um, this one snuck through. I don't know when we put this band on the schedule, but this record was not on the list I had for listening this week. So this is one that we actually got to listen to for the discography instead of hindsight of the discography. Yes. It sounds like a record made in 2020 by a band that's been around for more than 15 years. They have pushed the sound in this direction. They've actively or maybe passively decided to get away from the breakdown of the metalcore and they're just a melodic metal band at this point. They don't sound like a modern metal band where they're leaning on auto-tune and melodic choruses to blow me away with sound samples. It just sounds like a good album that has some atmosphere to it. I look yeah. forward to spending more time with this one. I wish I had listened to it more than once. Well, I've listened to it four times. And, um, you know, again, man, th- this is very much in the same vein as, you know... This, this is very similar to Phantom Anthem, but you're right. They, they are transitioning into a melodic band, like a melodic metal band, where they are they can still be heavy, but they save the heaviness for when it makes sense. We're, we're beyond now, hey, we're August Burns Red, so we have to be heavy. I don't think that that's something that they really... Like, that. that's always going to be a part of their sound to some degree, so they don't, like, worry about it. <laughs> you know, like I think sometimes a lot Absolutely. of heavy bands do. And, I mean, the, big, the biggest notable change on this record is there actually are clean vocals uh, on this record. And, again, they're not under oath in it. They're not, like, making it a, a, a central part of the sound. But it sounds good, and it's it's something that, like... Now that I've heard it in context with the August Burns Red sound, uh, I actually appreciate it. I like it a lot. Like my favorite song on this record is Lighthouse, uh, which has a lot of clean vocals on it uh, for this band. Um, But again, like I feel like that transition to adding a few more like clean vocals into things again spices things up this is the this is the strawberries on top of the salad you know this is where we're getting this is where we're starting to get new elements in there but they're elements that once you have them you're kind of like man i kind of wonder what some of those other records would have sounded like now there are clean vocals on previous albums by august burns red but they're always like gang vocals or whatever was going on on sledden hill and um i think that like i think at this point they are they're kind of out of the hey we need to do this on the record in order to appease whomever you know two assholes talking about their records on the internet um but like i don't know i I really like this i really like this record and i think that it is one of their strongest of the new material and i think enough time went by 
from Phantom Anthem to where I I I think that it doesn't come across as a rehash like I feel like some of their previous albums were. I think they found something in this more melodic metal sound and they're kind of following that through to its logical end. And I know I say soft, I say melodic and, and all that stuff, but we're still talking about a band that is, that is, you know, heavier than your average band at this point in their career. There aren't a lot of metalcore bands in 2020 that have been around since 2003 that still kind of hold their own musical integrity this well. And um, and I'm not gonna lie, like I didn't ex- I didn't come into this record thinking I was gonna like it, but it won me over. You won me over, August Burns Red. You did it somehow uh, because I, I I did not even go into this discography thinking that I was going to like it. I've heard so many different conflicting opinions on this band. There are people that say that they're the greatest band that's ever played music ever, which I don't agree with. Um, Absolutely not. But then there's people that are like, oh, it's just all crappy formulaic garbage. And it's not that either. Um, I think it is. Um, I mean, some of it is, but like the early material. Um, but I mean, that's just what Metalcore was back then. Um, and they've more than made up for it with the amount of variation and the different spices, the different flavors, the di- all of that stuff thrown together. Um, they And while still being able to incorporate some of the old sound into it, like they're still doing that. I feel like they've consistently done that since Leveler and uh, Guardians. While it might just be the next album by August Burns Red, I think there's a lot. There's a lot to digest in this record, and um, and I appreciated it, especially whenever I was basically you know locked in my home and couldn't leave. Um, it was uh, it was a breath of fresh air to get this late into the career and the band. You know, still are still pushing themselves creatively. There's a lot of formula here, but the band is not giving you nine albums of breakdowns, which has always been the advertisement about August Burns Red. They use the breakdown differently than any of their peers that I can think of. They turned it into a tool to create heavy music instead of relying on it to define the sound of the band. The band is still very much metalcore, but they chose to bring in more melody. And that, to me, is the best growing point of any band we've talked about on this discography. That, to me, is one of the best growing points of any band we've talked about on this show. It's not a drastic change. Somehow they eased into it and made it make sense for them. And the band you're listening to in 2020 is not the same band that you heard in 2005. Music is also different. Do you think there's going to be a metalcore resurgence at some point where everybody's going to be into all breakdowns again? A lot of people said new metal wasn't going to come back. It never left. I'm not so confident that breakdown beatdown is going to come back. Yeah, um, it might, but I mean, I think in a lot of ways it hasn't really gone away. There's still a core fan base for it, but that's also what I appreciate about August Burns Red is that, I mean, if, for as much as, you know, as much as people want to say like, oh, they're just formula and they're they're just doing this or that and they're so popular now, which I think is I think is largely the reason why people will, will crap on a band like this because, and again, it's, it's a, it, they are super popular, so when I'm talking about people crapping on the band, I'm talking about a, probably a very small percentage of the actual listener base. Um, but they will complain and say the like, oh, this band is is super formula and they're super, uh, 
you know they're they're just in it for the money at this point which i would imagine probably is not the case and um i think they're just doing what they want and they're still they're still that band that put out thrill seeker and then they looked at their next they looked at their next record and said okay how can we do better how can we make this better how can we how can we improve on something that you know maybe we feel like we've nailed I think that they nailed the brutal metalcore in the early days, and then they nailed the technical metalcore, and then they nailed the melodic metalcore. So, I mean, what's next? Final thoughts on August Burns Red, Dan. (laughs) I know I've said this before already on this episode, but I mean, the band really did win me over. I did not go in with super high expectations, and I think that actually helped. I think some bands I go into with higher expectations, maybe based off of hype, But, you know, a lot of the people in the circles that I run in are kind of negative and down on August Burns Red. And so I kind of went in expecting like, oh, man, this is another band that we're going to do an episode on. And we're going to end up tearing them apart and, and, you know, just telling everybody how much they suck, that they're overrated and blah, 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 blah. And um, I was pleasantly surprised that I found myself not only enjoying the band's output, like the records that I knew, but also enjoying some of that later output um, more more than more th- just more than I was expecting that I would. And um, there's some of this stuff like the new record's going to end up being in my regular rotation at this point. And uh, and that says a lot because there's definitely a lot of bands we talk about on this show where I will absolutely listen to them for the show and then never again. So, uh, but yeah, thank you, August Burns Red. You guys, uh, you guys won me over. The hype is real with this band. The tropes are real inside of this band's music, but the band is not a trope. They do not embrace the breakdown the same way that other metalcore bands do, and they definitely do not embrace the breakdown the way they've been sold to you. No one ever told me that August Burns Red evolved the way that they did in the early 2010s. And they definitely didn't tell me that the newest album that was coming out in 2020 was going to be a very solid melodic metal release. There is more to this band than just the breakdowns. The breakdowns are there, but that is not the whole story. And I look forward to how this band is going to use those ingredients to make some solid metal going forward. If Guardians isn't the last album by this band, and I have no indication that it is, it's going to be a new standard for the band going forward because it's been 15 years and we're not just playing breakdowns anymore. Damn, what's your album of the week? Well, I'm going to have to go with something a little bit more negative, and that is Wormwood by the Acacia Strain. For me, it's Alaska by Between the Buried and Me, remastered for the 20th anniversary of that record. Very good. I cannot believe it's been 20 years since Alaska was released. And I I have high hopes for that Colors remaster that I've been asking for for almost 20 years. Yeah, it's definitely making me feel old, man. I bought Alaska the day it came out, so... (laughs) It's a good fucking album. It really, it really, really is. Colors sounds great, but listening to the later records and listening to how that record was mixed, I hope they choose to do something with it later on. That's really what I want to say. Absolutely. Take us out, DFT. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and you wondered if you could submit a band for us to review on the show, uh, we will absolutely do that if you send us a message on Facebook, facebook.com slash discography discussion, 
or on Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. We also have a Discord server set up where you can chat with us and fans of the show in real time pretty much 24-7. Uh, there's going to be a link in the show notes that'll take you right there. I have just recently started streaming on my own Twitch channel. If you go to twitch.tv, you can search for Discuss Metal Dan. I'm sure Joe will throw a link in the show notes for that. Uh, I stream two times a week on Twitch on Monday nights and Thursday nights at 10.30 p.m. Central Time for here in St. Louis. So if you're into late night gaming, make sure to stop by and say hi. Uh, I like to play a lot of like old school first person shooters like Quake and Doom and, uh, you know, maybe Catechumen if enough people demand it. And uh, yeah, so it's a good time. Uh, It's a good time to drop in the chat. You can chat with me uh, and Joe or whoever else is on the stream and and uh, it's a good time over there. We've, I've, we've done it a few times, and it's a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, you can always check out all of our stuff anywhere that you get your podcasts. And make sure to check out our Teespring store where we have some sweet, sweet merch with our wonderful logo emblazoned on it. And on that note, this has been Episode 184 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Hey, Joe, can I have some money? One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Excellent. Excellent.